Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. I'm excited to be in church. And although these days church can look different week on week on week, we can still trust and declare that God is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore, and He is faithful to do what He said He would do. And I'm excited to bring the Word. If I've never met you, my name is Luke. It is great to meet you. And I trust that as this Word has been uh, dealing to me in my life as I've been preparing it this week over the last few weeks, that it would do the same to you in a good way. I'm so thankful we serve a God that doesn't just meet us where we're at and leave us where we're at. But he takes us from glory to glory. He takes us from strength to strength. And if you've got your Bible, and I'd love for you to turn to the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, and uh, we're going to come around God's Word in a moment, and we're going to go to chapter 6. But just to give you a little bit of context, uh, there's a guy in the Old Testament by the name of Abraham. If you've been in church a little while like myself, then you'll know the story and the stories of Abraham. But the Bible refers to him as a great man of faith. And Abraham, at this particular time uh, that Hebrews starts to talk about upon reflection, uh, trusts God with all that he has, trusts in God's character. God has been good to him. But he finds himself saying to God, God, I, I thank you for all the blessings, but what is it if I don't even have a son? And if you understand, Abraham was a little older in life, and uh, things weren't looking good for him to have his own son. And we pick up this passage in uh, Hebrews 6, in chapter, chapter 6, verse 13, and it says this, Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name. And he said this to Abraham, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Again, read the story of Abraham in your own time. It was almost a statement from God that seemed utterly impossible, naturally speaking, but Abraham was a man of faith and trusted God wholeheartedly. And not only did God say, I will certainly bless you and multiply your descendants beyond number, it says in verse 15, then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. I believe there's people here today in this room and one of our locals online Maybe right now it's a few days on from Sunday and you're watching this message and you know God has given you a promise and you're yet to receive it. I believe a word from God today for you is wait and be patient. Take a moment to trust in God's character. It was the patience of Abraham that led to the promise of God. Verse 16 says, Now when people take an oath... They call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. We've seen this in the movies, or if you've been in a courtroom, there's a Bible, there's a hand placed on it, and there's an oath taken. We get the concept of it. They take an oath and call on someone greater than themselves. And why do they do this? Because there is now, without any question, that that oath they have taken is binding. It goes on to say in verse 17, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise, what does that mean? Those of us who have said yes to Jesus, accepted Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, those who have received the promise 
could be perfectly sure that God would never change his mind. If you've got a paper Bible like me, I want you to underline that. He would never change his mind. Verse 18, so God has given both his promise and his oath. Both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. Highlight that word, underline that word. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Are you living in great confidence? Because if you're unassured right now, you can have a great confidence in Jesus and the unchanging nature of God, but you and I get to choose whether we hold on to the hope that lies before us. This hope, it goes on to say, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It's the thing that will lead us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us, and he has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus has gone before us, so now we have a hope and we can have a great confidence in the assuredness that God will say and do what he's always said and done. I don't know if you're familiar with this statement or this concept, and it's simply this, same, same, but different. It's often used in a context where uh, a school child would go overseas and there's an exchange student scenario, and the same as that they are students, the same as that they are studying the same uh, literature, so to speak, but there are, they're not the same person. They are different when they swap in the schools. I don't know, maybe you've got family or friends that are overseas. I, I have uh, great in-laws that live in uh, Canada, and when Melissa goes back, it's like Melissa's the same daughter they once had, but something's different, the accent over time is starting to change. Same, same, but different. It's like when you see someone they haven't seen for a long time, and it's like you're the same person, but something's different. There is a changing that takes place naturally through every single season. And if we're not careful, we can treat God himself, the creator of all, as someone who is changing, yet, as we read, he is an unchangeable God. And so simply the title of the thought for today is this. If you're taking notes and you want to get to heaven, write this down. Same, same, but same. Same, same, but same. I think one of the greatest battles for us as believers in the 21st century is to not change who God is to fit our circumstance. I am thankful for God's word. The Bible says this is sharper than two, a two-edged sword. This is our answer to our every need. This is the foundation on which we stand on. This is our roadmap. It is our lamp. It is our light. But if we're not careful, because life changes, seasons change things, we can try and limit water down intentionally or even unintentionally 
who God is and his unchangeable nature into our changing culture and time. See, God does not change, as we've just read, and we know this because to change requires one of two things. To change something either requires an addition to it or a subtraction from it. But God cannot be added to and cannot be taken away from. He is, he was, he always will be. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And this is how our changing uh, nature in society kind of comes out in verbiage. I've heard this before. Hey, that's all good, Luke, and I believe in God's Word, and I believe it is a roadmap. But this was written centuries ago, and you don't understand what our 21st century is like, so I believe it, but not all of it, because that would just not fit in today's context. Or maybe another one of late is, hey, I believe and I trust God, and I think he's in control. No, I know he's in control. He is good. He's trustworthy. He's proven himself from generation to generation. But right now, I am flipping out because the powers that be are making some decisions that are not right and they're not natural. And so I'm living in fear rather in peace. And we start to question the unchangeable nature and unchangeable character of God. And if we're not careful, we are limiting the power and the presence of the almighty God who was, who is, and is to come to our natural set of circumstances or our natural reality and mindset. There's a guy in the book, uh, in the Bible called Daniel. If you've been in church, maybe you got made to go to Sunday school like myself when you were growing up, you would have heard the classic story, Daniel in the lion's den. If you understand the story of Daniel, again, we don't have time to get into it, but the day and the age of his culture, he was actually under three kingdoms. But in that day and that age, there was a lot of pressure for him and his belief and trust in God that he would bow, that he would give way, that he would succumb. And in fact, it's not a nice story Daniel and the lions did. It's quite a classic one for a Sunday school teacher to think was a great idea. It ends up well, but because of his steadfastness, to who God was and God's unchangeable nature, it led him in his personal uh, belief to stand on God's word and stand firm and led him to be thrown into a den with lions. The good news is God saves him and it is a story that God uses. But the challenge for you and I is to recognize it's not just enough to have a personal declaration of what we believe, but to actually trust that God's in control. And this is the difference between some kamikaze Christians of the 21st century and a God-fearing man like Daniel. In Daniel 2, verse 20 to 22, he pens these words, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and it's he that has all power. Verse 21, he is the one that controls the course of world events He removes kings and he sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and he gives knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. And I believe the encouragement today is that we wouldn't get flustered by all the things God is missing that is going on in the world. And we would come back to trusting that God is in control 
And even though he sits surrounded by light, he knows the plans of the enemy and he actually has the wisdom and the ability and the power to sort all of that out. He is the one who has the earth. The earth you and I are breathing and living on right now, he has it, the Bible says, as his footstool. God's got it and God's got you. But I think the challenge is to be reminded that everything in our lives is not just under God's control, but is therefore changeable. Because God is in control, we are not. But because he is God, and even though our lives may change, even though our seasons dictate to where we find ourselves, God himself does not change. Therefore, you and I need to get to a decision point that he is the one we ultimately trust. Whether you're in this auditorium in one of our locals, at one of our campuses online, whether this is your first time in a church environment or like me, you've been doing this a long time, I think it's the greatest understanding a human being can get to and it's where peace is found. It's where joy is restored. It's where you and I can get up every single day despite the weather and the climate around us and know that we're going to be okay. There's a prophet in the Old Testament by the name of Malachi. And if you understand the chronological order of the Bible, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. And it's kind of preparing, Malachi the prophet is preparing the way for John the Baptist, who is in the New Testament, who is telling people that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is coming. But there's this period where we don't, for about 400 years, have any account or recollection, the intertestamental period. We won't go into that for detail, but Malachi is setting up a very important narrative for God's people to understand, even though they have seen generation after generation, as you read through the Old Testament, God's faithfulness and then humans turning their back on him and God's faithfulness and humans turning their back on him. Malachi makes a really interesting and important point because in that day, in that age, in that time, God's people were complaining, they were whining, they were upset, they were frustrated. Like you and I have probably had moments where it's like, God, come on, can we get on with this already? Like, you know, let's just tap out of COVID and move back to what it was. God, I've been believing for healing for a while now and I haven't seen it. Can we just, come on. We, we get into a place of natural mindset, is the way I'd put it. These people were no different. They were complaining that it wasn't fair. They were complaining, God, it's not good enough to leave us where we're at. And God, being God, has every right just to, I guess, get his little finger there and see ya. <laughs> but God is God, and he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he created humanity for relationship. He loved us so much that he's done everything for us. And so he doesn't sort of smite them away like he continually has shown he's been faithful from generation to generation. In Micah 3 verse, sorry, Malachi 3 verse 6, quoting God, the prophet says this, I am the Lord and I do not change. I am the Lord and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. In saying, hey, you probably could get destroyed for your attitude right now or the way you're going about things, guys. But, you know, I haven't destroyed you lot 
to date. You know, it got pretty bad there. We saved Noah and his family and a few animals. That, that, that needed a bit of a reset. But guys, I am the Lord. I do not change. I love you. I am for you. And this is why I haven't destroyed you. God wasn't saying that to prove a point that he is awesome and he is in control, although he is awesome and he is in control. But I think it's a reminder that no matter how hard you and I try, we will never measure up to what is acceptable or right, but we have a God who's so good that he causes us and calls us to relationship with him so that we could discover an incredible life. But it takes a decision point as to whether we will trust in his character, not just in his nature or his name. I am the Lord, I do not change. He created us for relationship, the Bible says. And he did that so that we would have relationship with him. But unfortunately, as you understand, the Bible, like me, humanity decided to turn their back, decided we knew better, but God is a reconciliation type of God. And he longs and he loves to have relationship with us. And I want you to be encouraged that God is God and God is good. You may be sitting there and thinking, well, you, you, you know, that's great, Luke, but you don't know my life, you don't know my story, you don't know my lineage. No, I may not, but God does, and God still chooses you, the Bible says. And I want you to understand, God does never change. If you need some convincing, I'm going to rattle off some scriptures that you can look at in your own time, but Numbers 23 verse 19 says this, hey, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? And maybe right now you're saying, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen him do this yet. Or yes, I'm still yet to see God reveal his hand in that. Patience, remember. Patience will reveal the promise. But if you actually take a moment in 2022 to look back, on the counts of the faithfulness of God, you'll actually start to realize, yeah, he's never failed to act. You know what? He's never, ever not come through on a promise he's made because he is God and he does not change. He's God and he is good. 1 Samuel 15 verse 29 says this, and he is, and he who is the glory of Israel, speaking of God, will not lie. Nor will he change his mind, for he is not human that he should change his mind. If you need more convincing, Titus 1 verse 2. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. Are you getting the picture? Revelations 1 verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, God speaking, the beginning and the end. I am the one who is, who was, and is still to come, the all mighty one. 2 Timothy 2 verse 13. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Psalm 100 verse 5. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. His faithfulness continues to each generation. Many people will know a man by the name of Billy Graham. 
did many great things for God, an amazing man of God. He said, God is unchanging in his love. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. Don't let the newspaper headlines frighten you. God is still sovereign. He's still on the throne. So the question has to be, why is it when you or me, I'm speaking from my own experience here, but maybe you can identify yourself there online or in one of our locals. Why is it when something takes place in our life we're less than proud of? Maybe it's something someone does towards us. Maybe it's something we make a poor decision on. And whether it's based out of, a, I guess, a yardstick that the Bible would use or one you put on yourself, why is it when we don't measure up to our own or to God's expectations that we think God's response is going to change and be different? Why is it that the same, same, but same now becomes same, same, but different because of what we did? Possibly, we're still stuck in a limited mindset, a humanity mindset, where we don't actually fully understand the unchanging nature of God, and or we don't fully understand the power of God's love. See, the thing is, you and I need to recognize that God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. And right throughout the times of humanity, the generations, God has proven that he is faithful, that he loves, that he longs for relationship. And for those that would turn to him, he would save, no matter what the scenario, no matter what the situation. But he decided to change the game, so to speak. He is still the same, but the game changed when Jesus came along. Because Jesus being fully God, but also fully human, was able to show you and I that God's love is real, it's relevant, and it's accessible. We still live under the same God, but you and I need to understand that there is a different set of circumstances to be right with God because of Jesus. This is where you could argue it's the same, same, but different in the context of the Bible and understanding the covenants that God set. And again, for sake of time, we won't get into too much detail, but the old covenant was known as the Mosaic covenant. It was the covenant in Moses' time. Moses was a man of God. He went up to the mountain. God gave him, God spoke to him and gave him the Ten Commandments. He came back down and he said to the Israelites, here's how it's gonna work. Simply, the old covenant was God saying, I will be your God, Moses. I will be the God of your people. All you have to do is keep the law. If you want to read about that, you can read the joys of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. It's repeated in there. But simply put, God said, I will be your God. But here's the law, and you need to follow the law for this to be a reality. Sounded simple, but as you read, it didn't take one day for the Israelites to fail. And here enlists the story of humanity. God created, God loved, God made a way. Humanity decided to do their own thing. God loved, God created, made a way, and humanity, and the cycle of life continued. This is where Jesus steps in, and the new covenant is established. This is why we take communion to understand that when Jesus hung on a cross, he didn't just die a gruesome death, 
but he declared it is finished because the body was broken, the blood was shed so that there was a new line in the sand moment for humanity that no longer was it a requirement for us to keep the law, which was too hard for humans to keep. Jesus did that for us. And as God's own son, God himself in flesh, hung on that cross and declared it is finished, you and I as humanity, as a people, now head away back to the Father. This is what grace is. This is why it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it seems too easy. But simply put, the new covenant is this. Hey, I'll be your God. I'll forgive you of all your sin. I'll wipe your entire life and slate clean. I'll give you all of my love. I'll give you all of my grace. All you have to do is believe in Jesus. You mean to tell me my whole life can be guilt-free, shame-free, set-free, and on purpose in one moment of decision and belief in Jesus. Correct. This is the goodness of how good our God is. Because Jesus lived the perfect life, because Jesus kept the law, not only did he die on a cross for us, he actually lived for us. And after he died on that cross and three days later rose again, the disciples started to discover the wonder and the incredible nature of who God is, not just what God does. And the good news is that you and I can trust in the character of God through believing in his son, Jesus. The who of God will always outweigh the what he does. And so the what he does through sending his son, Jesus, changes the game but you start to now discover the character of God and you start to live peace in the midst of a storm. You start to live joy even when hope's deferred or you're living in despair. You start to preach and declare Jesus over your life even with a stage four prognosis. Why? Because you now trust the character and the unchangeable nature of God even if your body, your time, your society changes around you, God does not change. And obviously, the good news of Jesus can come with its shortcomings in our humanity. We think, oh, great, so now I can do what I want, when I want, how I want, and I'll be good, because Jesus is grace. Woohoo! yep. But actually, <laughs> nope, because the Bible declares that there is consequence for the decisions we make. And therefore, the law is still relevant, but there is grace and truth. And Jesus is the game changer, but he's also fully God. And Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can trust in him. The important thing I think we need to note is that we can't hinder God's faithfulness in our lives. You know, God isn't helped by our faithfulness to him. He's faithful to us. But in the same way, when we fall short, our unfaithfulness doesn't hinder his ability to reach into our lives. But I do believe that when we are unfaithful to 
what God asks of us in living a life fully trusting in him through Jesus, we do hinder our humanity. The reality is God is unchanging and the good news is we can access the unchanging sureness and character of God through a relationship with Jesus. It's impossible, as we read, it's impossible, (laughs) it's impossible for God to change, which means he loves you enough to not leave you where you are, regardless of how many times we get it wrong as human beings, regardless of how many stories I read of humanity stuffing it up, God still turns up, he's still faithful, and he wants us to know he will never leave us, never forsake us, no matter how many times we fail him. In fact, we understand in the Bible that through one individual, sin entered the world. His name was Adam. And through Adam and subsequently Eve, sin entered into the human human race. And although sin entered into the world through one man, God was still unchanging and still relentless in his pursuit of relationship and love towards humanity. Why? Because God doesn't change. And God can be trusted at his word. Even when all hope seems lost, God saved Noah and his family to give humanity a chance to trust in God again. Even when all hope was lost, and even though sin entered through one man in Adam, God sent his son, Jesus. And there's this psalm, Psalm 20, that Pastor Paul's been preaching over the last few months around what God gave him. There was three different psalms that God gave him when he was faced with the prognosis of stage four cancer. But there's this one particular verse, Psalm 20, verse seven, that has really stood out to me. And it's simply this, that some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. What does that mean? Some of us trust in our own strength in our natural realities. But then this famous statement, but we will remember and trust in the name of the Lord our God. Who are you trusting in? Where is your remembrance and what is your trust quota when it comes to the character and unchanging nature of God? Or are we like, which I find myself here because we're all human, are we like Adam where We do something and we fall short. And what did Adam and Eve do? They covered. They were ashamed. They were guilty. When God was present, they knew that they weren't enough. And so they covered. And the good news about Jesus is He doesn't come to uncover our coveredness. He comes to cleanse us. He doesn't say, hey, let's open it up and have a look at all the warts and all and how bad life is and what have you done and why didn't you do this? He says, no, I come and my grace cleanses you. We see God as this guy in the sky that may make life harder so we avoid, we cover, we, we try and get by so that he doesn't spy us. No, God loves us and he is unchanging in who he is that right from the dawn of time till the end of age, His desire, his one desire is that he'd have a relationship with you and with me. But you and I get to choose whether we trust him 
and His love enough or whether we cover because when we trust, we take all of the guesswork, we take all of the pain, we take all of the effort of trying to cover up to feel okay because His love comes and cleanses us. And as I bring this to a close in Romans, the book of Romans 5, verse 14 to 17, it sums it up this way. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but the even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very, very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Verse 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in the triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. No more guilt. No more shame. No more needing to hide. No more needing to feel disappointed that you've disappointed God, that you've let Him down. No. Through one decision and receiving the gracious gift that was given through Jesus, you can live a guilt-free life. You can live in freedom, in full freedom. You can live in grace, in full grace. You can live with a smile from ear to ear, knowing that even on my toughest day, God doesn't change. God is still God. God is still good. God is still for me. His love is more than enough. And He, if I come back to who He is and live His way, will always cleanse me and always cause me to move forward no matter what is happening around me because He does not change. I am the Lord. I do not change. He is the same yesterday today and forevermore. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you were encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at any of our Auckland campuses. If you're not in Auckland, then check us out, church online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifenz.org or download the Life app to stay connected and find out more.